Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Some people think Steve is a Diva Behavior, the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another special episode of Diva Behavior. This is Diva Divination. I'm your pop culture expert, Molly Molshine. And I am your astro investigator, Sarah Armour. We're going to be talking about our favorite pop culture news of the day with a little bit of astrology thrown in. I'm so excited. What we're covering today is Demi Lovato's non-apology to the Froyo people. We're going to talk about Kanye being angry that Kim seems to be the main character in their divorce. (laughs) We're talking about Melissa and Joan Rivers and the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And we're going to cover Bethany Frankel's new show. We're just going to look, Sarah's going to take a look at her chart and tell us whether this show will be the one that finally breaks her Real Housewives curse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited to get into this, you know, from an astrological perspective. And I know, you know, I know this isn't what anyone wants to jump in with first. I guess maybe we should, you're right, LOL, make it easy for you to edit. You already have to fucking quick elite this already. Okay. (laughs) But I just want to say that in terms of the Demi Lovato apology, which I want to dig into, it is astrologically perfect. Okay. That's good to know. So for anyone who doesn't know, I'll just sum it up really quickly. Demi Lovato got very triggered by the fat-free, sugar-free, gluten-free products inside a Froyo store in LA. She wrote a bunch of things on Instagram about it. And now everyone is just pillorying her. And on our earlier episode this week, Sarah explained that she's a double Leo Taurus and that makes complete sense. So she posted this video talking about it. Sarah, what was your favorite line from the video? I mean, by far my favorite line was, I didn't get the yogurt I wanted, and I thought about it all weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, sweatshirt number two, here I come. Like, this or everything about this apology, aside from, I don't know. I mean, everything about it to me was, was way off, except for the merch. I was just watching this video thinking I would wear every one of these graphic tees. She is dropping gold here. I mean, this is this is comedy at its best. Gold. Being a celebrity is exhausting sometimes. Fully said that sentence without irony. No, she was dead serious. I mean, when she was talking about uh, about like her experience of it, the amount of times that she said, like, I left without the froyo. I left without, like she said, like three times, I didn't end up getting the Froyo as if that was the big tragedy of the event for her. Like yeah. she, she didn't get the Froyo and she thought about it all weekend. Do you know what else I was thinking about? Froyo is already a diet food. The whole thing is backwards, Molly. Not only is Froyo, not only is Froyo already a diet food, but like, so the diet i've been thinking a lot about the diet culture vulture statement okay and sure 
I, I do think diet culture and the, the marketing of it and the branding of it can be a little bit disempowering or misleading on, on certain levels, right? But yes, number one, you're so right. Froyo is a diet option in and of itself. He wasn't and- at Baskin-Robbins Dunkin' Donuts hybrid rest stop. She was at an LA Froyo place. Like you're already dieting. Right. And it's just like, it's not the shop that, like, I, I thought it was really funny in her apology that she said, I, I'm willing to work with them on their marketing. <laughs> like she, I mean, Because she's doing such a good job marketing herself right now that first of all, she's going to start offering her services. Right. You're there in a pixie cut Drew t-shirt claiming to be not sober because it's not the healthiest choice for you after you just had a life-changing overdose dose that actually like caused you to now suffer from blindness from the rest of your life. And you want to help them with their marketing. It's like, she's like, if you want me to work with you on how to actually frame these products better, it's like, actually, I don't think anybody asked your opinion, specifically, nobody asked your opinion on any, any of this, but also the ice cream shop isn't at fault for trying to sell products. Number one, the way that they came in the package. And number two, if you want to take down diet culture, then go talk to the FDA or, or whatever the, the, the body is that says you're not allowed to call things healthy just because they're sugar-free or you're not allowed to call things, right? It's like yeah. the, the diet culture isn't that, 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 the froyo place is just a froyo place. And it's right, it's diet culture in and of itself. And the women who own the store, so it's a family-run business, and she, they were laughing when apparently Fox News called them. The weird thing about this is two things. So first of all, actually, before we get into these two things, I want to say my, my final favorite quote from her yeah. apology. I'm not coming after a small business as someone with a lot of followers. That's not what I'm doing. It just mm-hmm. is. Seems like a miss. Seems like she's, you know, this is where you really want to make sure that you have a pretty good level of self-awareness before you go live. You know, it's like this, we're talking about like, whatever, like, it's like the version of projection is where you're just like saying about someone else, the thing that's going on for you. It's like, wow, how absolutely tone deaf and blind to like very literally what is. Yeah, she literally is coming after a small business with a lot of followers. But the thing that's crazy about this is it's sort of turned into a culture war where Fox News and Piers Morgan are on her, are against her and on the side of the quote unquote small business. And I was trying to figure out why. And I think it just comes down to the fact that she performed at Joe Biden's inauguration. And she is like vocal about being Cali sober and smoking weed. She's just, she's sort of become like a liberal celeb. And so Piers Morgan and Fox News are all over this story. They are not letting this story breathe. So I, I just found that really interesting. Well, I also think that with Piers Morgan and Fox News specifically, you know, they don't have that many opportunities in their programming to appear to support like the little guy, mm. you know, like, I feel like this is an opportunity for them to like, for them to even be talking about standing up for a yogurt shop among all of the things that they spew that are pretty anti like human anti 
not human, but like humanitarian, like they, they, they sort of take a, a, a strong position in not caring about people's personal rights or, or like their personal experience at all. And yet you know the I mean? whole like, small business thing was a huge right. point in the anti-BLM storylines last summer. So now they're right. finally able to find now a small, pro- like, small business. Right. Fox News speaks to a small business for the first time in like years, you know? Right. It's like such a great excuse for them to like play the, well, we do care card. And I also think in the case of Piers Morgan, for the most part, and you have to remind me a little bit about his multiple scandals, but like, I'm, I think any chance that he has to bash women, he takes. Yeah, exactly. I think he's just like, yes, an idiot woman, let's go. He called her (laughs) dumb and deluded in his column. And he, but he once called me an American comic in one of his columns instead of a Twitter user. So I actually... I do take what he says seriously. Okay, that's actually major coming from him. And I want to say, in both cases, he's not necessarily wrong. Well, here's what... Now, this segues into my second big point that I realized after we recorded earlier this week, which is I do feel like we're now becoming a pitchfork mob after Demi. And I feel really bad about it. And it's really ironic because just a month or two ago, we were all saying, thank God we don't treat young female celebrities the way we did in the 2000s anymore. Like this is the reason why people went after Britney Spears in the 2000s is not just because it's easy to make fun of blonde girls. It's also because there was a righteous anger directed at her for being a quote unquote bad mom. And now there's this righteous anger directed at Demi for quote unquote coming after a small business. The small business in question the big chill, they are loving this. You know, I don't want to minimize what it does to people when celebrities come after them because that is a real problem. Like celebrities mobilizing their fan armies against normal people is a huge issue, but that's not happening here. They're having a great time. In this case, in this case, it's actually like having the reverse effect, I would imagine, which is like, this is best case scenario for a small shop getting attacked by a celebrity because it's so the celebrity's own stuff that we actually have. Yeah, when you have Fox News coming in defense of your Froyo company, this is a huge win. I mean, I guess what I would want to say to Demi is like, I love the, I love the idea of apologizing, such a great thought, and addressing <laughs> it, such a great thought. I love the idea of going live and just being so real, you know, but what I would want to say to Demi is like, you know, maybe I could help you a little bit with your messaging. I mean, you know, I'll throw it right back at you. Maybe I could mm-hmm. help you a little bit more with how you're coming off because while you're triggered by the cookie and the diet food, I want to say that the bulk of the apology, what she kept apologizing for, she kept saying, I'm sorry that you guys took it the wrong way, or I'm sorry if, if my message was misconstrued. So actually she's just saying, I'm sorry that I'm in this position. She didn't say sorry to the froyo. She didn't say sorry to the, to the big chill. She didn't say sorry for you know, acting out of her own insecurity. She said, sorry for being misunderstood. And why are we so mad about this? We're mad about this because she is a rich, successful, materially successful celebrity who is constantly in victim mode. I think that's fair to say. Yes. And we're really angry. Why were we angry at Britney Spears? Because she was a rich, materially successful celebrity who couldn't wear shoes in a gas station because she was just didn't care and who was driving with her kids on her lap. And that was like the big scandal was like, she's a bad mom. She's a bad mom. So people, what I'm seeing on Twitter, I've seen people 
literally like verified journalists tweeting, I hate Demi Lovato. And I'm like, that's really harsh. And that's that's not something that you can say about a female celebrity these days without people calling you a misogynist. So I'm like, whoa, first of all, we forgot the Britney Spears documentary already. And I'm including myself in this because I'm making fun of her all week long too. And second of all, like how did she fall so far that suddenly it's okay to say, I hate Demi Lovato just because she did one stupid thing. She was in a well, coma from a drug overdose a couple months ago. And now people are openly saying they hate her. Well, I think that to me, I think on like maybe, and, and maybe I'm getting too deep here, but I think on a subconscious level, that's the other reason that we have a problem with this. I feel like it's a little bit like, you know, when you get upset with someone or something goes wrong in a relationship and you try to talk about it and you try to make that the thing. And then they're like, yeah, but you do this. Or they'll be like, yeah, but this is the other. It's like, Demi, you, I feel like she's almost trying to like create some narrative that's not about her sobriety or that's not about the fact that she recently almost died, like in a really serious overdose and is still continuing to take a hard stance on I'm drinking. And yet she wants to be this like public health servant. Like here I am to save the culture. It's like Demi, you can't distract us at the end of the day, maybe less drama with the outside world and like do a little meditating just, you know, just like hang back a little. We actually don't want to hear this from you. We want to hear if anything. And yes, the eating disorder thing is, it is, is a present issue. It's great to have somebody advocating for people who do have the experience that she has, but she's doing such a bad job. And ultimately no one is going to associate with her lo- this with her long-term. She's not going to go down as a, as a, as an Avenger for the diet culture. Right, she's going to go down as a frag addict. Yeah. How, well, that's, see, that's the thing. So I just want to say real quick, remember when Ariana Grande licked the donut and how everybody forgot about that, which made <laughs> yeah. me- So yeah, I think what we're seeing here is when you have a family member or a friend who has an addiction problem and you can't get them to stop, like, I think what we're really angry at Demi for is this Callie Sober thing. I think it's totally she's been struggling with addiction for so long and that she seems to have everything at her disposal. And we have loved her since she was in Camp Rock which takes a lot to love someone who was in Camp Rock. It's a terrible movie. And we've just loved her for so long. And we're just like, why can't you figure it out? And it's hard. It's too hard. Like, it's, it's so hard for her. And I think we're all just, like, angry about that. And it's really a shame. I think that's why we were angry at Britney Spears. Because we were like, you are beautiful, young, famous, and you just can't get it together and we're and we all want to think that if we had that we wouldn't be you know calling out yogurt stores we wouldn't be struggling with addiction for the 10th time in a public way you know like we want to believe that that wouldn't be us but it would like and, and I'm okay as and well, or Brittany when I was a teenager I would have been in rehab six times and I yeah I mean honestly I I I hope someday I can afford the ones I deserve. I mean, I'm so pro, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to clean it up, clean it up. And we have all the resources, you don't, you know, you don't have to go to the one with the weird bunk beds, unless you're Paris Hilton and your mom sent you there when you were 15 or something, you know, it's like, you actually can do it in, in luxury and you can take your time and there's no rush to get out. I guess it's like the combination. Cause yeah, what we're upset about is the Cali sober. Although I think that the real, real issue is that like, 
that's a separate conversation. So I would love, like, but the fact is we, she's distracting us instead of debating whether or not, because on some level, I do understand what she's saying, even though I think it's very flawed thinking, which is that, you know, she's been, so, she's been a hair, she's done heroin. She's done. I mean, it's not like she's just an alcoholic or that she's just smoking too much weed, you know? So yeah. I do kind of, I do, I don't think you should call it sober anything. I should, I think you should say I'm trying to change my relationship with. And I think that if that narrative feels more doable than just going cold sober and then continuing this relapse cycle. Okay. But to call it sober, it's like, it's, I just think it's like so ironic. She cannot help this, this company's marketing. She is calling her drinking sobriety. Clearly the messaging problem is with you, dear. <laughs> I know. And this is what it is. It really is like, cause you're not allowed to get mad at family members who have eating disorders or addictions or alcoholism because it's the, it's Probably. the issue that is animating them. It is not themselves taking this action. So it's just, I oh, think no. whenever you find something to latch onto to get angry at them, it's human nature to get angry. But I think we should all think a little harder about the Demi Britney connection before it's too late. A trailer for Bethany Frankel's new show came out. It's called The Big Shot on HBO Max. Uh, it's funny timing because it's a week before the premiere of Real Housewives of New York City and the last big news she dropped was 10 minutes after they dropped the trailer for this season, she announced she was engaged. So Bethany is striking out on her own for the fifth or sixth time. And <laughs> she is still tying herself to the Real Housewives with every single announcement. Uh, what did you think of the trailer? I actually felt... First of all, I felt really happy for her. Um, I felt, I mean, my first instinct was I want to like send a few people on this show. I'm like, oh, wait, I like, I know a few people that would be the perfect assistant for you. You know, I felt like I love that she dropped it right after Housewives. I think one of the things about Bethany that keeps her so super relevant is that she is not afraid to like in the same way that the Kardashians lean into their shame or lean into their drama. She'll, she's not she around in the mud. Bad. Yeah, she's not against bad press. She's not against playing dirty. She's like, no, she has a big ego. I mean, her chart, she has a Scorpio. She has one, two, three, four. Which she has five planets in Scorpio, and then she has a Capricorn moon. So she's How many planets like, do most people have in Scorpio? You know, I mean, one, one zero to three. I mean, when you, have more than, when you have more than three planets, or planetary bodies in a sign. It's called a stelium. And we know that there is like a huge concentration of energy when there's more than three like major, especially personal planets there. So she has one, two, three. So she has her, her Mercury, her Venus. These are personal planets. And then she has her Jupiter and Neptune. These are like God planets all smushed into Scorpio. So she's kind of here almost like she's here to get under our skin and she's here to kind of like do that Scorpio detective work Dinger. to just get in however she can. And then like, and then like use it, like use it to bond even more deeply. You know, Scorpio is about bondage. So for her to be bonded to that real housewives cast, whether she is doing it in the way that originally was planned or not, mm -hmm. I think is 
she's like, yeah, I will hang on to this. And I don't care if it looks bad and I don't care if it's dramatic. I'm going to, I'm going to leverage this housewives thing as much as I can. And at the end of the day, she is a Capricorn moon. So all she cares about is her business. All you're a Capricorn sun. I'm a Capricorn moon. It is not fun to have even a friend catch up with anyone unless we're going to record it and put it online. Capricorn, Capricorns are here to work. They're here to achieve. They want mm-hmm. acclaim. They want recognition. And they want to be the boss. I think the reason this show is better than Housewives for her is because instead of the energy being about kind of her competing against these other people that are on the same level as her or whatever, that she has to kind of be, feel you know, personally like attacked or personally going after in this, it's set up way better for her. She is, you know, Scorpio power, Capricorn power. He has to be dominant at all times or else she short circuits. You can see it on the show. She is in, in this first season where she comes back, one of the housewives says, Bethany has two speeds wound tighter than a top or crying. And it's like, yeah, that is so true. And so she's had several other failed shows already. Now, this is what's really interesting about this show. She first became known, not through Real Housewives, but through Martha Stewart's Apprentice. She was a contestant what? on oh Martha God. Stewart's Apprentice. I which forgot is, about that. This show is basically The Apprentice Re- reboot. This show feels so 20 years ago. It feels very... 15, 20 years ago in terms of, it's America's Next Top Model, The Apprentice, Paris Hilton's Best Friend. It's a celebrity hand-plucking an acolyte from a field of wannabes. It's a very old-fashioned show, and I'm surprised to see it on HBO. Second thing is, on she got onto Real Housewives because she leveraged The Apprentice. She was not a housewife. She was the only person, like now there are a lot of unmarried housewives, but she was the only person in the original New York cast who wasn't married. So she, Wow, what a flex though, to be on yeah. the housewife show and to not be a housewife. She loves that. Yeah. So she had a spinoff talk show that failed. She had mm-hmm. a spinoff about her marriage that failed. The marriage itself failed. She had a... What was the other show? Was there anything ever with Skinny Girl? Because that was, to me, I thought her, I I thought she was just a brilliant businesswoman because it was clearly like she used housewives to leverage this business that she was launching. That's her masterful branding because here's the thing. And I talked about this with Joe Gunn a few weeks ago. We did a whole episode about Bethany Ever After because it's on Hulu now or it's on Hey You Now, which I got to rewatch. That is one that I watched. I I did like Bethany Ever After. See, I find it the first season I really liked, but she does not function well as the center. She doesn't function as the Seinfeld. Do you know what I mean? She is the Elaine. Like she can't, when she is at the center of the show, even though she longs to be at the center, it's not good when she is because she is so tightly wound and she's so intense and it works on housewives. It worked when she was on the apprentice. She was a breakout star because she was able to torment and terrorize all the other people around her on her first run on the housewives. She was Jill Zarin's little minion and then when she left and came back she picked a different person she had a formula every season she went in she picked a different person to beef with and she just pounded them into the ground until they left the show and she kept the drama running and she was great at it and I think so her biggest issue I think in life is that being a real housewife is the best thing she can do and she's so annoyed by that. Because well, here's the thing, and let me just say one quick thing about her businesses. Yeah, please, please. 
Guinea Girl Margarita was an absolutely ingenious product. It was. Everything else has been a flop. Skinny Girl Cold Cuts. That's my one, three words for you. Skinny Girl Cold Cuts. Skinny Girl Ham. She, she did that. I mean, that's genius. No, I it, it, it flopped. Nobody wants oh, really? Skinny Girl Ham. She has a Skinny Girl denim line. Oh, like, I thought you were saying like that she had a six, that, that, that she's, I didn't even hear, no. ever hear about it. I, I thought you were saying she spun it out and made it like a thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, she went, oh, okay. So you're saying she took Skinny Girl Margarita and then her next step was to make it cold cuts and then it she, obviously failed. Yeah, like Skinny Girl Margarita was ingenious. She predated White Claw by about 10 years, basically. That's such an interesting bad choice. Right. Why? Like, why what was that thinking? That's such a done weird- so many other Skinny Girl products. She has Skinny Girl jeans. Who wants to walk around with Skinny Girl written on their butt? And it's for like 40, 50-year-old women. Like, that's degrading. And it's a, it's a bad brand name. It's out of date. And I want to see a fight between... Demi Lovato and Bethany Frankel. I want Demi coming after Bethany for Skinny Girl Anything. <laughs> oh, I, oh, please, world, we need to manifest that. We're manifesting. Let, we can try, if we get big enough, let's get them both on our show. I want a confrontation. Yeah. But this is my, my point is Bethany, yeah, she's run her business really well, but it was sort of luck. And she is her, at her best as a personality. She yeah. is a reality tv personality that is what she's good at but she wants to be bill gates and what what in her does anything in her chart say that she's good at business or does it just say because i think her business acumen like i said margarita's incredible idea i think the rest a lot of it is smoke and mirrors well here's my first question and then i will jump jump into the chart because i did not really see the last season why so she's not on housewives anymore no why like, what was it? Was it an on-camera drama thing? Like, what was that about? So talk about Scorpio. She dropped out of Housewives the night before they were supposed to start filming the most recent season because she said they weren't giving her enough money. Hmm. The night before. So when you watch this season, the first episode is all of them reacting to the fact that Bethany, who is, you know, the mother hen, basic, even though she's one of the youngest ones, she is like you know, the Kim Jong-un of housewives. And she drops out the night before. It creates this massive power vacuum. So the whole season was very weird. This upcoming season's going to be weird too. The show functions better with her. Like this is her calling. Her calling is reality show. Not not the apprentice reality show, but ensemble torturing people. Based on her chart and that information, prediction, she'll be back. She's Mm -hmm. making a point. The power, the reason she did it the night before and the reason that it did create a power suck is because that's what she intended to do. She said, fine, don't pay me more. I don't need you. You don't need me. And it's going to, you know, Stabler is now back on SVU at the end of the day sometime. And I I believe in that case, it was also a money thing where celebrities who actually know that the franchise needs them and are not getting, and Capricorn Moon with all this Scorpio, all she wants is not only does she want money she wants to be on record as being paid the most money out of all of those women if she's gonna be if what you're saying is true which is that she's the linchpin of the drama on this show then she knows that and she's going you're not gonna you're not gonna pay me what i deserve fine miss me when i'm gone and i'll go to hbo and so i think this is a masterful flex on her part i don't see the hbo show going for more than one season i think this is just I think she is going fine. No problem. Watch me get a show of my own. I do think though that in a similar vein of like 
Tyra Banks, America's Next Top Model, this could be a good outlet for her because although she will not be tormenting any of the other castmates or creating any drama in that way, I think we can sort of pick and choose like there can be other characters that she is tormenting as a from a boss perspective but then i also think that that she gets to kind of you know she'll get a good a good a couple good memes out of it she'll get a few phrases that are like iconic you know she'll have she'll figure out some you're fired version and and Mm -hmm. so i think she'll actually be fine in that position and that like i think she'll just end up tormenting the people that are trying to be on her show like diddy diddy did with the band on some level but like but really what it's about is that this is a flex and ultimately it is to get her back on housewives but at the capricorn moons only care about their business they care about their money they care about their prestige they care they care about getting credit they mm. care about getting clapped for so i think when she felt that her value was not actually being honored you know and and also if i remember correctly her backstory is very much about you know not having money like she is one of the housewives that wasn't just born into this lifestyle she worked yeah. super hard she hustled she was hustled, actually hustled. pretty wealthy growing up but she wasn't oh, was she? yeah she, she wasn't, went like, to She went to private schools, but she had terrible parents, terrible parenting background mess. I, yeah, for some reason. Yeah. So maybe that's not the best point, but I do think that, I do think that she does have this sort of underdog story Mm -hmm. line that we all are, that we all are connected to. And I think that this is her way of getting back on housewives, but with under her terms, I think she wants them to miss her. I think they, she wants to feel, she wants the producers to be scrambling for storylines now that she's gone. She's like, look yeah. how much easier I made all of your lives. Look how much more interesting I made your show. I think this is the long-term power play that will get her back on Housewives with a ton more money. Kanye and Kim. Kanye is angry that Kim is the main character in their divorce based on I love this. the press coverage. So Page six, which contrary to popular belief is incredibly reliable. Uh, Just because you don't like the journalism doesn't mean it's not true. That's something I would remind people who crap on page six and TMZ. So Kanye is annoyed that fans think Kim Kardashian initiated the divorce. And I just think it's so funny to be annoyed by something involving like a billion dollar divorce. Like I'm annoyed. The headline made me so happy. I loved it. Kanye, yeah, I loved annoyed being the word over and over. Kanye annoyed that it, that she, that the news is reporting that she initiated the divorce. I just yeah. love it because it's so him. It's so, that's where it's like, you know, that's good reporting. Like, yeah, that and- is what he, he is. He wants to know. He wants everyone to know that he's been trying to divorce her for years. And remember, he actually accidentally tweeted about it a year ago. So he's been the one who has made this divorce happen to happen he left that relationship and she did try to make it work and he does not want anyone thinking that she broke his heart no no she did not yeah so sources which are clearly kanye sources because where else could this come from uh said that he is annoyed that she filed first he is super annoyed that the story is being constantly presented as her divorcing Mm -hmm. him says the source Mm -hmm. who noted the kardashian family's huge spin machine actually it was him saying for a year that they have nothing in common except the kids and he wanted out which I ask you, what did they have in common before the kids? Nothing. Which is why we were all shocked. They started dating and we loved it because it was so unexpected. She pulled all the stops to try to save the marriage. So this is supposed to make her look bad, but it's saying that like, she's the one who cared enough to try to save the marriage. It's just so funny. Like, it's just so funny. And I don't think this is like counterintelligence from the Kardashian camp because 
it's it it wouldn't make him look good that he's annoyed by this either. Anyway, so can you tell us, Sarah, uh, what is what in his chart is making him annoyed that people think Kim left first? So he is a Gemini sun with Jupiter right there in the sky with it. And Jupiter is the planet of expansion, abundance, growth. Like it makes everything bigger, right? So not only is he this big Gemini energy that's all about getting, it's, the Gemini loves the story. It's all about the story. It's why Khloe Kardashian is in the comment section because she has a Gemini moon. Geminis like want to be not only the character that's involved, but they want to they wanna get the story. They want their story out there, right? And I also think- Our last think president that- was a Gemini. Indeed, similar charts actually, same energy. They're right, that big dragon energy. It's like, it's like, it's a power thing for them. So they're like, if I don't control the story and and if I don't feel that I'm being received in the way that I feel is right or I feel would make me, you know, because Gemini is duality. It's like not like he's he's not only pissed that he did not get to get the credit for wanting to leave this relationship first. But I think there's also, we have to know there's this other side of him that's also, you know, I do think there's a part of him that's hurting. I do think that there's a part of him that has more to say about the Kardashians. I, I think what the real issue is that he felt silenced from being able to fully express his actual, actual opinions. I mean, uh, Chris Jong-un, He's got a lot more of those up his sleeve. And I think he thinks that, that was he's hilarious. Been... I'm sorry. I, like, love I love him forever, even though obviously Same. he says problematic things all the time, but I'm just like, okay, he can be the person that says insane things. Like we, none him. of us take what he says at face value anymore. Like we haven't for years. So I, it's okay with me that he is a provocateur and that he's saying these crazy things. And I also think it's part of, I mean, I do think, look, I believe in the power of manifestation and declaring what is, and I like that he's like, I'm the best artist of this generation. And if we're going to treat him as such, I think there's a case to be made that he is. All the best artists from generations past have had a little bit of a wacky public, you know, they are here to kind of act out and, and challenge us to, you know, either have more real conversations or just look at them in a way that is separate of us. And we go, okay, it's like, he, he's meant to challenge us in a public way and I'm here for it. I love it. But I think that the real issue, I think that as a Gemini with Jupiter there, he cares a lot about his narrative. He cares a lot about his story. I mean, even all of his mm-hmm. albums are narrative in nature. They, so 808, true. You can, the whole trajectory is, is chapters of the story of his life. And I feel like with this chapter, he really stopped being free to um, really say everything that he wants to say and everything he thinks is funny and important and relevant. And I think it's really hard. I think, you know, part of why we see a lot of musical artists break up, you know, maybe that's a blanket statement, but is because one of the things that you are required to do if you're going to be a major musical artist that actually is an artist artist is speak freely you know the best art is the truth or the things that people don't want to say and i think that he's been shutting his mouth and playing this quiet game of good husband i think we saw him snap a little bit where he was like no i am not letting this narrative ride out that i'm like just this crazy person in this like and they're all saving me he sort of like 
he took a step. That was it for them in terms of the trust ever really being able to come back because all they, it's like this is a, this is a battle of two people who are trying really hard to use their fame, to control their storylines, to yeah. control their businesses and their art. And I think that, cause at the beginning of when they started dating, do you know what else were, though? I, I think that he pigeonholed himself at the beginning of their relationship because he was trying to break into the fashion industry and he knew that he had to keep a muzzle on it for a few years. And he, remember Whoa. when he went into Kim's closet and cleaned out her closet and he was like, no, you're not allowed to dress in this like Joyce Leslie Forever 21 aesthetic anymore, <laughs> which I hope is going to come back. She's still wearing like Yeezy vibes head to toe. She just released that mesh collection. And I'm like, this is so Yeezy three years ago like we I'm sure she's gonna come out of a cocoon as, with a new aesthetic soon but anyway I think he muzzled himself for a while and then he was just annoyed that the muzzle has stayed on because of the Kardashian machine so yeah it's time for him to evolve and she wasn't wanting to evolve with that well and and to that point I actually think that the reason that his relationship with her at the beginning felt more aside from he just was in love with her and he wanted to be you know he was had a crush on her but I think that with the fashion, I think you're so right about the fashion thing, but I think that he saw her as a way to get, like, he saw her as not only a muse, but someone that, like, like almost like a, a piece of clay, right? And, like, here's the thing. I was, I agreed with him. Like, I like her more basic aesthetic. Now, I don't think that she needs to stay in, like, the mesh neutral zone forever. I'm sure that she won't. But I think that part of what he's upset about is, look, at the end of the day, Kim had no shot of having any type of fashion line. She looked like she was dressed for a pussycat dolls show every single day where she was just out in the world, like, getting a coffee, right? Like, she was overdressed. She was trying too hard. She was, I mean... So I think he's also a little bit angry that, you know, he, I think he was kind of without, in, not even in a malicious way, I think he was using her to enter the fashion game thinking like, oh, she'll be my But she was sample. persona non grata before, like when she, before she went to the Met Gala with him, Anna Wintour said there will never be a Kardashian at the Met Gala. And now there's been four Kardashians at all of the Met Galas. But I think that's all him. I think that's his. That's his influence. I think he's annoyed that actually she and the Kardashian sisters are now getting, they're now all fashionistas. They all know a fashion label. Yeah. I think he is so annoyed that like in his little, in his mind, he thinks that they're coming out on top that like they, they used his influence to make them all way cooler, which he did. Mm -hmm. I mean, even like the theme song got a million times better when he came into the picture. Yeah. Like he really did upgrade their brand. I also think that Kim has a particular problem because to your point about the skims being just these sort of mesh neutrals, her whole brand is KKW. <gasps> Ooh, I think she'll probably keep the W because all her kids are W and I don't think she's going to get married again for a long, long, long time. I think like yeah, I her agree. first two marriages were clearly ill-advised. This one was great for her. It elevated her in every possible way, um, business wise and in terms of her public profile. And I don't think, I think she's going to keep the West branding because I still, even oh, yeah. with everything, all the craziness that he tweeted last summer, I still don't think West is a liability because no, I, I think Northwest gonna is going to be, yeah, North is going to be old enough to be like photographed on red carpets as an actual fashion entity in like seven years. 
100%. But I even think, here's my prediction, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. I think she is going to keep the West, and I think he's going to have a problem with it. I think he, I think we're going to see his, his true, true, true colors, which is that he, this is a very Gemini thing, right? When you're in love, you're so in love and that's the story. But then when you switch, it's the exact opposite of that story. So that's the, the, why he's so annoyed about the, your silence. Like you guys silence me for so long. I just want everyone to know I'm the one who doesn't want to be in this relationship. LOL. Right. Like you you are, but what am I? Right, t- totally. But it's also because there's a deeper layer of that, which is like, like I'm not. He wants us to know, brand wise, he's not like heartbroken. He's not the one who's upset about it, and he's happy to disconnect because I think he's going to make an issue out of her not disconnecting by way of keeping his. I think he's going to say, "You're now using me to be the fashion icon, and it's white supremacy that your brand is better than my brand." And it's, it's. I think that that's going to be an issue that plays out. We are going to hear a rap lyric making fun of her for still using his last name. And we're going to hear a rap lyric saying she became a billionaire because she was with me. 100%. And I feel that it's not, not true. No, but I do think it is because of, I think they helped each other. I, Oh you yeah. Know, they I, were the I, ultimate I, power couple pairing of our generation. Like that is the alpha and the it is 100%. No, I, sorry to interrupt. No, but I, I, I'm sad. It is. It's the alpha and the omega. They were truly yin and yang. I. Yin they, and yang. <laughs> yin and yang. But I thought they brought, they elevated both of their personas. They, they helped in so many ways. And I just, I guess to me, the, the sadness I feel, and I am curious on your feelings on it. I felt like when Kanye pursued her and the way that he pursued her, and the whole beginning of their relationship made me feel so, I just believed him. Like yes. he really did, he was infatuated with her. He did love her. And like, if he was gonna have like, at the end of the day, they're, they're rich enough that a divorce isn't that big of a deal. And I think 100%, if they were gonna have kids, that's who I wanna breed. Like, I think that there was like a breeding thing there where it was oh, like, yeah. yeah, this is my lineage. We're creating a dynasty. And like, this is my, like, I'm doing it with you. So I think the divorce at the end of the day for both of them is like, look, at least we got, we, we, we are a family. And if I want to do family with anyone, it's going to be you. That he being said. the life of Pablo that the Kardashians are the new Jacksons, which is like. There true. you go. That's, yeah. that's all he wants, right? He wants us to be like the new Camelot. Like they're creating the royalty of the, of America. But like, I, I just, I feel like so sad because it just reminds me that like, it doesn't matter how it started. Like you do, like, I do genuinely think they did just grow apart. Like, I think after that love, it's such a good example of like when the love, when like the, the, the honeymoon phase is over, if you don't actually have like a real based non-celebrity, you know, focused friendship that love can really continue to blossom but at the end of the day like both of their commitments wasn't to the relationship it was to which I think is fine but like it just makes me sad like yeah relationships no matter how you know romantic they start can end and it just is like well I also think when you're a rich famous person who everyone wants to be with and it gets a little stale why stay married why stay? Like they clearly just like when you have every other option in the entire world. I wrote a story about this at Galore when Chris Pratt and Anna Faris broke up. 
because every intern in the room was like, oh my God, love isn't real. And I was like, I wrote a whole thing about why it was completely predictable that they would break up. And I ended it. Just don't ask me why when Channing Tatum and what's her face break up and all the girls, no, they're never going to break up. And they broke up like a year ago. First of all, I have never hated a couple more than Anna Faris and Chris Pratt have me on record for, I, from day one was like, this is never going to work. And I've had, I've had, I, I wish we were, I wish I was glorying with you at that time because I, I have a lot to say about that, but I won't, yeah. I won't spend too much time, but I do feel like that's the thing though. It's like, why would you stay together? Well, I think that you would stay together I guess like like this brings up this larger question for me, which is why, and like, you know, trigger warning, I know you're engaged, but like, it's like this larger question to me about marriage in general, because it's like, if you do have enough money, why would you, like the whole thing with marriage is like, we're in this forever. Like we're committing yeah. to creating this unit that's separate from ourselves that we are now both like going to build together as this third entity that is, you know, and it's like, I just, I feel like it just like kills me in terms of like with Anna and Chris, to me that they were never a match, but this is like, Oh no, like actually at the end of the day, love isn't enough. And like, you don't work on the relationship if you're rich, you just go, Oh, this is not it anymore. Exactly. Kim and Kanye never merged their finances, which I think is incredibly relevant. The highest divorce, the best marriage rates are people in the middle class, because if you split those finances, you are both going to have a downgrade in life. People who are poor, it doesn't matter. And people who are rich, super rich, it doesn't matter. But here's the thing. My parents would 100% be divorced if we could afford it. (laughs) No question. I think a lot of people would. And But here's what I think you have to do in a relationship. And obviously I don't know yet because I'm not married yet. But I think probably what happened with Kim and Kanye is their relationship was not the number one priority. And because they have so many other shiny things in their lives, it's very easy for something else to overtake it. Like if you really want to stay together forever and you really are meant to be, and you really, that is a priority for you, you will do it and you will make it happen. The thing is all these famous people, they don't make it a priority because they just, they have shiny things. That's, I really think that's the main thing. Well, and and the last thing I'll say, because I agree completely, it's also just, I think part of when you're talking about the middle class and why you make it work, aside from the, the financial aspect of it, it's like, I think that, I think what we see in relationships, even the miserable ones, but that stay together, is that there is a certain enmeshment that happens where you are really building things together. And like, whether it's like we, we run a store together or we, like even my parents, my parents run a doggy daycare out of our house. And even if my mom goes to Florida for three months, my dad's running the daycare. Like they actually rely on each other for a certain amount of like in real life our lives are woven together by this thread. I think when you're, I guess when you're a celebrity, what comes first is your development as an artist and your individual creative spirit and business and public life. And that is just maybe something that's a given in these, these long-term relationships that are celebrity that we go, Oh, they get married and then it doesn't work out. And it's like, yeah, because at the end of the day, who cares about the marriage? They all are so into what they're doing that, that why would they change anything about themselves to make a relationship work? Yeah. And when you've got, 
Yeah. When you've got the best lawyers money can buy, it doesn't matter how enmeshed your business interests are. Look at Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Like they had the biggest show in the world. They had their own production company together, Desi Lou Productions, the two of them, and they still got a divorce and like it was fine. So I'm very, very annoyed with the media about something. Um, I recently saw an onslaught of headlines claiming that there were finally new details revealed, a rare intimate conversation with Justin Thoreau, clearing up some of the rumors about their divorce, okay? From Jennifer Aniston. Yes. Now, this I was thrilled about this. I, I, I love Aniston. I know a lot of people have gripes with her. I love her, and I love her marriages. I love the relationship she has with her ex-husbands. But I am curious. I've always been curious about this breakup because the big rumor about the breakup was basically just that at the end of the day, they had different lifestyles. He wanted to live on the East Coast. She wanted to live on the West Coast. That was like the big rumor, okay? So I clicked more than one of these headlines because I... I, I thought somebody must have something to share. And you know what every single one of them reported? What? The big news that he revealed, the rare insight, was that people don't know the whole story and they think it's because they wanted to live on different coasts. And that's not, that's not really why. Their publicist probably put that out so that people wouldn't speculate on what really happened. First of all, it happened... Five years ago, why is it even in the news period? Second of all, no one's talking about it. Third of all, to claim that there's a rare insight about the divorce and the only thing that it comments on is the only information we have saying that's not the whole story is not a rare insight. That is like such not news. That is how dare you? It's on the cover of it's on the cover of like three magazines when I was in CVS. I am blown away by the, 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 the mediocrity of the media on this being that we are truly starved for articles or sales or whatever. This is like the most flagrant abuse of clickbait. I, I, I just feel personally attacked because I want information. And just for the big reveal to be, that's actually not the whole story. Let me tell you why it's not the media's fault. Because what happened here, I'm sure, is Justin Thoreau and either his publicist or Jennifer Aniston's publicist were not all on the same page about what to say. The publicists won probably because Jennifer Aniston also won because Jennifer Aniston has been through this game before. She's done the high profile breakup before. She knows how to play the fame game. It is not a coincidence that she has been famous more and more and more and more famous since she got dumped for Angelina Jolie. It's because she's smart and she hitched her wagon to them because they are A-listers. She was not an A-lister before that. So I think she said to both of their publicists, look, and the publicists, they were probably all in agreement, the three of them. Look, if we don't give a reason, people are going to go digging. And we, so we have to give a reason. So they gave the geography reason and Justin Thoreau, for whatever reason, was annoyed probably because three women overruled him. And this is the first chance that he's gotten to try and set the record straight for this completely nonsensical, pointless story. This happened in 2018. Yeah. There are no, no one's even talking about it. I'm, so maybe it's you're probably right. been stuck in his craw since then. Oh my God. The only big reveal, I'm telling you, the big reveal is people 
thought that was why, but that wasn't why. But he's not even clearing up anything salacious or dark or dirty. It's not even saying, yeah, it's not that I cheated and it wasn't about kids. It's because actually it, it was, we didn't break up because of the coast thing. He's actually giving us less information, which is right. fine. But so you really think that he's just been carrying this load yes. this whole time. And, and, and maybe, maybe it's because Angelina and Brad are so in the news that his publicists were like, you know, if you were going to comment on the Jennifer divorce, this could be a good time. Because no, he, I don't think, I think he went why rogue. Why now? He went why rogue now? for this because it just, he's just been annoyed by it. I really think like I, I, if I had to put money on it, I would say it's because he was overruled by Jennifer and two other women and he was annoyed because I'm just stereotyping that I'm assuming that all of their publicists are women because most publicists are. And he probably just was like, they were probably all in a group chat trying to figure out how they're going to spin the breakup. And he was just like, yeah, sure, whatever, fine, you can say that. And it's just annoyed him ever since. I just can't believe that, like, we are, that, I mean, that means that he's been spinning this in his head of like, what am I going to just say something that's, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm going to be on record for saying something for five years? Yes. Oh my goodness. And the you know, problem is publicists lie. That's what the problem is. Because the like when journalists get access to celebrities, they ask the questions they want to ask unless they're being blocked by a publicist. And celebrities, mm-hmm. they don't come up with these like cockamamie things. Like the only reason they came up with that coastal thing, like I said, is just to head off any other stories of the past and say, here's the reason, boom, no more speculating. Because the real reason was probably boring or just like well no they actually made it less boring the real reason what or or whatever they put out there was boring right in the the first place so him to clear up that it actually wasn't this boring reason is just so non-news but like it is interesting like you saying that i wonder do you think on any level demi lovato's publicist was like yeah attack that that yogurt shop oh no she's also going rogue she no publicist would have told her to do any of this no 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 i think her entire team is just like what is going on well, right. I mean, I guess, I guess it just in terms of trying to like spin the narrative or distract. Cause like she just, she really is just trying to change the conversation from I'm a raging drug addict to I'm a, I'm a pioneer for women yeah. who have eating disorders. So it's like, okay, nice try. Nice rebrand. Let's move on. Speaking of classic Hollywood and a little more old school stuff. So Melissa Rivers has been beating this drum for a while. She is very angry about the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She doesn't think that the show gives enough credit to her mother, Joan Rivers, the late, great Joan Rivers. So the show Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, in case people don't know, it's about a stand-up comic, stand-up comic in the 50s. Joan Rivers was in the 60s, uh, but it is a very similar trajectory. Um, and it's from the Gilmore Girls creator. So it's very... So I don't know. Sarah, do you like the show? No. I mean, I... Um, <laughs> Why don't you like I, it? Because, first of all, when it first came out, the amount of people in my family that were texting me, like, you've got to watch this. And it's like, do I want to watch, while I'm, you know, sleeping on people's couches in New York, trying to make it as a stand-up comic, do I want to see one female who didn't even, and I don't mean female, but it's like, that's what it is. It's like, oh, another female comic in New York trying to make it. And it's like, I don't need to see her just accidentally crushing and accidentally getting into a scene because she was the only woman and because she had a little gusto. Like, I, no, I don't want to watch that. It's actually, she's having an easier time being a female comic in the 60s than I am in 2020. Exactly. You know, 
I, I, no, she doesn't get to just like, I mean, so maybe I'm a little jealous of, of Miss Maisel anyway. And also <laughs> it stresses me out. Did you ever, you've never watched it or you've watched a little of it and you decided you didn't like it? I've watched a few episodes and actually like my grandmother, when we're together, like that's what we'll do. She'll be like, we got, I got to show you and we got to watch. And it's a cute show. It's good. I think it's well-written. I know we, we know a lot of the writers. Like I have all, oh, I have really? all love. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a lot of com- like New York comics. Like, and well, how come she doesn't tell real jokes then? Well, that's but see, because she isn't really a stand-up comic, even as a yeah. character. That's why it's so annoying to watch <laughs> as someone who's doing comedy. Who's like, why can't she just go up at the piano bar and be like, I'm just a, I'm just a sassy broad who's divorced again. She's like the Hannah Gadsby of the 1950s. Uh, and like no shade to boring. Hannah Gadsby. What she does is interesting. It's just different from real like setup punchline telling jokes. It's not that. It's like, like she truly, and I love the show. Actually, I didn't watch the most recent season, but I do really like the show just because I really love like mid-century cosplay. And yeah, I, sure. it's like, I think it's charming. And it is fun to imagine, like, hey, maybe if I was literally the only female stand-up in New York, I would be successful. <laughs> like, that's the kind that's of fun fulfillment. I, like, couldn't handle it. I was, like, oh, I was, like, jealous. I was, like, oh, you're just, like, you just, like, get to be, like, the interesting token woman just and for showing up. It's, like, now we have, you know, we have, like, war girl wars going on just to get a spot on a stupid reality show it's like damn like no it's it's it, yeah it hasn't like evolved even though i guess there's like sure like the the ceilings have been broken but like no i don't want to see a time where i could have just been rewarded for just being a chick i don't want to you know like i also ugh. think that joan rivers didn't have it even remotely as easy as she has it in the show like, first of well, all, the show be- takes place a full decade earlier than Joan Rivers. So she really, it really wouldn't have been that easy. And, like, the only thing she gets in trouble for in the show is, like, showing her boobs and, like, cursing on stage. And it's like, no, she would have actually just been being, like, abused by all the male comics just for being... Like, there was a couple episodes that got that part right, I think, where, like, she is opening for guys and all the guys are, make- are being dicks. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just feel like... That was going to be my question to you. Like, so, because this, what we're really talking about here is Melissa Rivers is bored. Okay. So oh, yeah. Melissa Rivers, the death of, of her mother was, I think, a huge catastrophe for her. Aside from just loving her, her whole business was being Joan Rivers' daughter. You know, mm-hmm. like, it, you know, we can take, Northwest, take notes. You've got to kind of do your own thing. Diversify if you want to stay relevant, right? Like we've seen, you know, Kelly Carlin, great gal, met her, read her book, but like, like what she's famous for is just being George Carlin's daughter. Like Melissa Rivers, was she great on the red carpet? Don't remember, not memorable, really only because she was her mother's daughter wasn't even remotely interesting. And when they were together, it was kind of fun because there was this dynamic because we saw Joan interacting with her daughter, but it had never had anything to do with Melissa and it doesn't have anything to do with Melissa. And so is there anywhere in the like promotion like are they saying it's about Joan or because like is it just Melissa saying it's about Joan or but so, right so no one in the staff is like I know let's let's feature a character that's a sort of a, a, a Joan Rivers type it's like actually she's not a Joan Rivers type she's not doing what Joan Rivers did she's not doing it the same decade that Joan Rivers did so actually I don't see how this has anything to do with Joan Rivers at all 
I think she is. I think she is because Joan Rivers would do the whole, she was like upper middle class Jewish girl from New York, like nice girl, like wanting to get married. But she was writing comedy. Yeah, she was writing comedy. That's the difference. But, but the thing is like the, there's a Phyllis Diller analog in the first season and I feel like obviously those were the only two known women besides, I guess, Elaine May at the time, but Elaine May was a little bit later. But even mm. when she does, she goes into people's living rooms with that co- with her coworker, that was like a Nichols and May sort of reference. Mm-hmm. So there are these overt references to Phyllis Diller, Elaine May. It, I think it is, it, she is a Joan Rivers analog. Like it is, she is. And I th- I do agree with Melissa Rivers that uh, it is very weird that they've never said anything to her about it because I don't know the show is very I feel like in general everything around the show is not overconfident but high on its own supply. Do you know what I mean? One hundred percent. Did you see the? Did you see? And they did the pop up of what an old diner would have looked like at the time of Maisel. It's like they look exactly the same now. The New York diners in Times Square. You're, everyone's lining up to get a Maisel Rubin, lining up around the corner for this shop that's been fancied into an old '90s diner or an old '50s diner, or whatever. Go down the street to the TikTok diner. Trust me, it has not been updated, so you could get the same kind of vibe if you just go. Yeah. I guess, like, here's here's the question I would have. In the show, because I did stop watching. I watched the first season. I didn't really watch. I watched a little bit of the second season with my grandparents. Has she done late night on the show? I don't think so. Not from what I've seen. Because I don't think late night really exists yet in the 50s in the way that it did in the 60s. Because to me, that's really the difference. When I think of the, the career of Joan Rivers, it was really her on Carson and her relationship with Carson and her being like the late night premiere comedian that's that made her aside from being a woman that really actually defines her career to me so maybe and maybe melissa's just giving them a hot tip or it's something that they would write into it like if there's another season of it if 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 the marvelous mrs Maisel gets to the point where she would be invited onto a a, a carson type show and there must have been something you know like so so like a radio program or whatever but maybe that would be where they started to use a little bit more of the joan you know, story or, or kind of even mention her in, you know, they could, she could, I don't know. I just feel like that yeah. could be a way that they maybe now overcompensate for this. But yeah, I guess you're right. If they are, see, to me, they weren't doing any reference other than Lenny Bruce being like someone in the show that, that is mentioned or is the host or something. Aside from that, I feel like they didn't do that much reference. I didn't notice, but I also didn't watch that closely. I didn't notice that much referencing of any other, like, female comics from the past. So I, I, to me, it's like, why pick a bone? It's just some, it's just the story of this girl. But if they are- But Joan Rivers like, oh, was God. that girl. That's the thing. She literally was. But not from that, but you're, if, but if it's from a different decade, she but wasn't. maybe that's why they changed the decade. Whoa. So you think this could be a personal attack on Joan specifically? Some yeah, like a- not a personal yeah, attack, but just like, it literally is her, but without like great borscht belt jokes. Right. And I mean, I just, I do think, well, actually though, does Maisel, oh, she does have a daughter. Does Maisel have a child? She has two kids. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's, that's it. That, that tracks. So then, yeah. Okay. The real question then becomes Joan and Melissa, and I don't think Melissa helped, 
but they are not the most likable. Like it right. would be kind of fun to find out that there was some, you know, one of the like 90 year old producers at the head of the network is like, nothing about Joan. I'm done with like, maybe there is some personal uh, vendetta against her because I do think she ruffled a lot of feathers. And I think yeah. Melissa is one of the more annoying. I think she's like why people hate Jews. Like, I think she's <laughs> like one of the, but she's just terrible. So, like, I, I, I can say it. I'm doing, I just feel like she does not represent me. Like, you know, she, she's so like, like even for the first thing for us to hear about her in the past, when was the last time she was in the news for her to be it like, says you're a lot. Paying enough. What'd yeah. Say? It says a lot that the minute her mom died, we never saw her again. Like there was no other person throwing her a life raft in the entertainment right. industry. I never, well, that's why that. I'm saying it, it. It sort of seems like she needs if she sees an opportunity to just get out herself out there, it's like, okay, well, you're not talking, like she needs her mother to stay relevant. And so this is the only thing she can do, but for it to be like complaining about your mother, not getting enough attention is so, it's so Jewish. It's so like, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, she's no, to me, if she had more going on, if she was a panelist on a talk show, if she was still doing red carpet, and then she also said, hey, for the record, Maisel, why don't you guys uh, pay a little bit of attention to the person that actually made this show possible? It would be totally different than like, she's emerged from the couch to tell us, you guys are not paying attention to my mom. It's like, oh man, in her end of her voice. And I just, I, I find her to be really annoying. Maybe, again, it could yeah. be my own stuff, you know, like the, so the trigger, the mirror. Uh, here's my final question about this. And then I want to move on is I have heard people say on Twitter that the marvelous Mrs. Maisel is like almost a Jewish minstrel show because almost none of the actors are Jewish totally. and the showrunner, Amy Sherman Palladino, she's oh, yeah, yeah. Like only half Jewish and wasn't really raised culturally Jewish. So what That's do you right. think about that? People think it like is Jewish stereotypes that, and she doesn't have a right to really comment on that. Well, I guess I'll say this. I think that if it was a more Jewish-led production, they wouldn't have missed Joan. You know, I and think- It would actually be funny. It, it would have been, I think if it were, although I will say, I do know a lot of the writers and they're all Jewish. Oh, really? The writers are Jewish. I mean, I think this is a case of like, you know, why did Tilda Swinton play the Asian character in Doctor Strange? It's like, maybe this is, why are you taking Jewish parts? Why are you taking Jewish parts, Maisel? You know, I will say Rachel Brosnahan, whatever, doesn't scream Jewish. We are okay. dying for that little button nose. Like, how, you know, so I, I yeah, I think maybe- I think I mean, canonically I was, she's had a nose job. Okay, so maybe she actually is Jewish in the end. I mean, but I don't think she is. No, I mean, I mean like, I, canonically in the show. Like, I think probably oh, in the character oh, that's Bible, like they're probably the like, she had a nose job when she was 15. Oh, God. So they're even overcompensating for her lack of overt Jewishness. I think it's implied. Like, I think because yeah. of the way that the mom is and everything, like, she's so uh, shallow and everything. Oh, so interesting. But right, it's like, I don't, I mean, I guess, yeah, like maybe they might have, to me, it maybe would have been a better vehicle for like Jenny Slate or someone who was just a little bit more, who yeah. I, I would, I guess, I guess that's my problem with it. I like all, there's also, did you watch, there was a stand up show on Showtime that actually was better than, I actually liked it. It was about like the comedy store back in the day, but why didn't they cast more comics? Like to me, like it, to me, it's less of a Jewish issue. Like why aren't the Jews being like, why aren't the Jews actually getting hired more for this? But it's more of a comic issue. Like, yeah, the comics that are in that writer's room are all, we're all also talent. We can do on camera. Like, 
like use a comedian that that I feel has also done this work like Rachel Brosnan and I like her I think she's charming I think she does a good job but it's like she's not a comic she's not Jewish like she's just an actor there's so many Jewish comics in New York that they could have picked and great uh, actors great Jewish comic actors or just great comics who look Jewish who are great actors like I, I'm not particularly sensitive I think we got a lot of Jews in Hollywood it's not like we're it's not like there's a lack of for the two percent population on earth that we are we certainly do get a lot of parts so I'm not like you know I, I don't feel that we are underrepresented necessarily but I just think like on a personal level I would have liked it more if I related to it more as like the struggle of being a comic and that the person playing it was someone who had could really relate to this experience because I can relate to this experience. And yet this experience, I can't really relate to. And she hasn't even gone through it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And like the first show she ever does, she gets a manager who's like, I'm going to teach you how to be a comic. It's like, no, I know. No, that's that's what I said to my grandma. My grandma was like, "Why don't you like it? He seems like it'd be so perfect for you." And it's like, it's not that I don't like it. I'm just like a little triggered. Like I'm yeah, a yeah. little jealous of how easy it is to just like. And now, I, I'm a comic. It's like, yeah, I've been now. I'm a comic since like I was hosting bar mitzvahs, you know, in, in high school. Like I've been trying <laughs> to get the credit. I have so many titles. If I could just drop all of them and go to a few mics and be called the comic by, by the world, I would be, you know, I might have an easier time watching it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Can't argue with that. Who is better? Who makes, like, who's worse for Jews? Melissa Rivers or Bethany Frankel? <laughs> I can't answer that. You have to answer that. Yeah, but you're an outside perspective. I give you permission to answer. I, I I'm feel- the wrong person to ask. I love Jewish people so much. I really oh. thought that if I didn't marry Nick, I was like, I am going to marry a Jewish guy. Cause I, I just, people think I'm Jewish all the time. People are always asking me if I'm Jewish. Well, I, you know, my brother has a relationship too, but I would have set you up in a second. You'd have been a great match. <laughs> and he loves blondes. Now he's with this gorgeous Filipina, but, but he, uh, he's not the Jews, unless you were raised a certain, certain way, I, do find that like like my brother and I we're not dating any other Jews let's be clear to me I think Frankel yeah oh my god I'm too I'm Jewish enough for all of us I I I need (laughs) also I think that like if we keep interbreeding we're just gonna like breed ourselves out of having sinuses you know what I'm saying like we can't we need to mix it up we need healthier more we all have a sinus problem but we have these big noses we don't we can't keep marrying into this problem like we actually need to mix it up so that we might have better health you know we gotta it's just better to you don't want to have you don't have like you know this it's like inbreeding at a certain point you know but um I think for me personally I feel that Bethany is better for Jews although still arguably bad for Jews but I think she's better for Jews because it's like again Melissa Rivers really is stuck in that Jewish mother-daughter relationship even after her mother has passed and she doesn't really have any other talent or interests beyond that and so she's really just like a loud mouth yappy like a reason for me to say something you know whereas I do think Bethany's hustle and Bethany's fight and the fact that Bethany can take that show of of rich, powerful, married housewives and be the one that pummels them all to the ground. I think, I I think, you know, yeah, get her in the ring. I think she's an interesting character and I like her fight. Scrappy, rags to riches. Yeah, Jappy but Scrappy is the brand. I think she nails it. (laughs) 
Amazing. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been another Diva Divination edition of Diva Behavior. I am Molly Molshine. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Molly Molshine. And I'm Sarah Armour. You can follow me at Sarah Armour and you can join Molly and I every two weeks at a virtual comedy Zoom moon ritual. And we have one coming up on Tuesday. So definitely go to at the moonule to grab your tickets. And otherwise, yeah, follow me at Sarah Armour on all the stuff. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Some people think Diva's a diva to you. Would you say, are you one? I never said that. Diva behavior. Great, uh, great gowns, beautiful gowns. <laughs> of course, I don't trust you. Diva behavior, the podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.